Hello and welcome to Accounted For, the Iris Interview Podcast. My name's Steve Cox, I'm the Head of Market Insights for Iris Software, and I've been working within the accountancy industry for over 20 years. The area we're going to go look at today is all around becoming an attractive employer, because for accountancy firms right now, and it's not unique to the accountancy industry, but also we have got a big talent gap and struggling to get new firms. So one of the things I wanted to do was bring Jim Scott, who's our Managing Director for Accountancy at Iris, in to come and explore this topic with me. So Jim, welcome. Thank you. Do you want to just give our, our listeners a little bit of background around some of the industries that you've worked in and kind of some of the, the, the similar talent gaps and challenges you've seen in some of them? Yeah, sure. So I, I've been around the industry, uh, the, the accounting software industry a long time, 20 26, 27 years, um, worked for uh, one of the, the main uh, vendors in the industry for, for a good chunk of that. The last few years I've been consulting, so I've seen quite a lot of this. It was prior to the uh, the pandemic, so the talent gap wasn't as much of an issue. Uh, that's not to say that some of the challenges that have now been amplified by the pandemic weren't around because they yeah. were. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot, of the, a lot of the expectations, the generational expectations at the very least, were were already there, so you know I've I've been fortunate enough to see that across various different industries, including accounting and technology, but also you know everything from energy to construction to uh, to housing and and, and various different um, industries as, as well. So it's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it, it it's a it's a hot topic at the moment. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of had fuel to the fire recently with um, some recent survey data that came out from the ONS, and it was stated that. We've got to a point now with this talent pool being uh, smaller than ever and the, the talent gap for skills being bigger than ever, that there are now more vacancies than people to fill. Now, that's obviously a broad spectrum piece, yeah. but does that feel like that's the same within accountancy? I think it probably is, if the truth be told. Uh, the, you know, the number of, uh, you and I have spoken many times about the explosion in the number of firms, yes. right? And, and that, that, that there's a couple of, impacts on talent in that regard. The first is that some of the talent that would otherwise go and work for a firm is, is you know, it's easier than ever to set up a, an accounting practice, you know, from your bedroom yeah. using the tech that's available and, and, and so on. So it's, it, it's very easy for people that otherwise would have gone into employment to set up on their own. And, and then the other piece of that is that you've got these kind of more established firms that are now competing for the smaller pool of talent and having to, 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 to kind of um, differentiate themselves from their competitors in inverted commas uh, for the talent so it's becoming a real race to differentiate themselves to add you know add value to a, an employee maybe even in the same way that you would do to a client it's you know you, you, we need to start thinking about it in those terms I think and it kind of feels that um, through the transition we've had from COVID and from other factors such as the digitization of most industries it feels like the power now sits with the employee rather than with the employer. If the number of vacancies outweighs the number of people available, it kind of feels that as an individual, you've got a lot more choice for where you could go for. So being that attractive employer, it's hard work now than ever. It's got to be something that you've got to be always thinking about everything that we do. Does this reflect well on bringing new staff in? And how can we help to show the way that our culture works and things like that. Some of these concepts were probably 10 years ago, would never have even kind of cropped up maybe in the accounting industry for what people were trying to do to attract talent. So 
I suppose one of the first things that I'd love for us to kind of explore is around what are firms doing to drive the employee experience and are there kind of like some key things that they're now thinking about with their own employees that might help them to retain them or attract? I think this is a this is somewhat subjective because um, I think this is a, a relatively new phenomena mm. to, to certainly to the extent that it is right now but some of the best practices that I've seen so far um, certainly from from a generational point of view the younger generation so, so the, the, those of us who've got a few more gray hairs will remember <laughs> a day the days where you were kind of handed a notebook and you were, you know you sat in the corner and you took the notes as the junior you took the, no, the notes in a meeting and you, yeah. you kind of you know, if you're lucky, you got to type them up afterwards. But you know that that was your you, you know your your lot, and you were happy with that. I think now, people coming to accounting and coming to other industries as well. So this is not accounting specific. They have a much more a much higher sense of purpose, and they want to align their purpose. You know the, the, how they feel about what it is they're going to get up and do every single day for eight ten hours. They want to align that to the business that they ally themselves to, that they're going to work for. So I think having a, a really clear sense of purpose and having that permeate the business, the practice, is is really, really important. So that, that, that's one thing that, that uh, it may be implicit, but I think it needs to become far more explicit for yeah. firms of accountants. So that, that would be one uh, practical example. I think there's also, you know, the, the kind of real nitty gritty that we get to. And, and you know, I've seen surveys, I'm sure we've all seen different surveys which indicate that now two-thirds of people want to work from home yeah at least for for probably the majority of the time if the truth be told so having an environment where we force the employee into the office I'd argue that that is a thing of the past and we need to start thinking you know how can we find the right balance of having people together when we need them together but also having them uh, be able to, to to be agnostic of location and and you know providing they're able to do the work that that, that is okay, and and you know just an, one final example would be um, being output driven. Mm. Um, you know accountants we, we accountants as a, as an industry and, and as individuals we often want to measure everything to within an inch of its life. We want to we want to be able to report on it and analyze it and, and kind of review it. And, and I think there's much more of a drive towards you know if the job's done. Uh, when it needs to be done, and if it's done to the right standard, does it really matter whether you know you, you kind of sat at a desk for eight hours to achieve that, or whether you were able to do it remotely in four hours? Um, so, so they're the sorts of things that I think we need to become more comfortable with, and at least debate or consider uh, in the industry. Yeah, and it's um, it's a fascinating one because I'll take the, the the sense of purpose that you you mentioned first of all. If you ask most accountants. Why? What do you do? What's your why, if you like? Most people go, well, I, I help people get the lowest amount of tax that they need to go and pay. Something yeah. along those lines. Whereas actually accountants do so much more than that. So is that aspirational to say, I help clients pay less tax or pay the right amount of tax? Um, probably not. And to your point that the younger generation have more of a sense of purpose, they want to drive that. They want to have a bigger impact on the lives that they touch. So therefore they want to be thinking more along the lines of my sense of purpose is really around the, I help my clients to achieve their goals so that they can do what they want to go and do. It's not just around the tax bit, it's so much more than that. But the the, the, the bit around the working from home and like the, the two thirds odd that now say they want to work from home, 
this seems to be a real sticking point with some firms. And I know from talking to uh, Irish customers and uh, non-Irish customers across the UK, there seems to be a real mix that a lot of people were saying, even during COVID, they were still kind of coming into the office because they needed to be able to interact with clients where they were bringing paper or analog based uh, records in. So therefore they needed to be in the office. And now there's another school of thought that's coming from people saying, well, actually, we've been able to work from home for so long. Now let's make that the rule and that you only come into the office when you really need to. So I suppose one of the questions is, is there a right approach? A lot of firms are potentially trying the three-two approach, where it's like three days in the office to a home or vice versa. And that seems to have gained a lot of weight from firms that I've been speaking to. But is that the answer? I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all for this, Steve. I know that might sound like a bit of a cop-out answer. It's not meant to be. But everybody, you, you know, every accountant who's listening to this podcast and every customer of Iris, they also, they have they have different client bases. They have, uh, you know, they, they work in different geographies. They have different constraints. They have different sets of, you know, te- technology uh, infrastructure. And they have different people that, that they work with, you know, different employees. And, and it's going to be different for every firm. And I think it comes back to, you know, looping back around to the purpose thing. It, co- it just becomes a case of you being clear and articulate about what your expectations are and then finding people who are happy to work within that construct. So if it isn't working for you, if, if you're not able to find the talent, it's one of the things you've got to you know, potentially review and, and maybe give a little or, or trial something different or, you know, um, or maybe kind of completely overhaul. But the, the I don't believe there is a, you know, the prescription yeah. here is three days in, two days out. You know, I think you've got to make a judgment call that you're kind of happy to stand behind, you're comfortable with, that you can articulate clearly and precisely to both employees and prospective employees and get them on board with them, enthuse them about. Because that ultimately, that's what this has to I do. I think that the, not a silver bullet, but the answer there really is around firm's got to be flexible around its existing employees as much as it's got to be around the prospective ones it's not a one-size-fits-all and i think that the new way of working has staff working around their lives rather than living around work and it's that kind of that that preface points that seems to have changed that's changed the an individual's belief and sense of purpose for and where they want to be absolutely and i i don't know i don't know about you but Certainly, my experience of working from home is not that you work less; it's actually that you work <laughs> yeah. a lot more. So, so, you know, what was once a commute is now an online meeting. You know, both ways, and you're talking and tailing that. So, it, it it's not a case of people working from home at the expense of productivity or at the expense of willingness to 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 drive the the right outcome for the business. It's purely an evolution that we've gone through. It's been exasperated or acceler- whatever word you want to use, accelerated by the pandemic. But we, it's pointless fighting yeah. it. It's here, and you know you, you can you can deny it all you want, but it's a reality of employment in two thousand twenty-two. That, that flexibility for the right kind of candidate feels like it's really important. But the question is, how do you then kind of? get the right kind of candidates because a lot of this would have been certainly pre-pandemic 
you might have got like a junior or a graduate in and you would then train them up almost by osmosis. They'd sit next to one of the seniors, they'd learn by example, follow the processes and over a long period you'd build them up and ultimately they might get to the point where then they can become an equity holder within the business and, and so on and so forth. Pandemic seems to have flipped that on its head a little bit because suddenly you couldn't have a graduate there to learn by osmosis because there's no one to sit next to, right? They're now all working from home. So how do you then kind of make sure that you're getting the right kind of people and CVs through the door that would fit with a different approach? And where where are you seeing accountancy firms going and looking for new talent? I think a lot of this comes back to some of the stuff we've touched on in the past around, you know, how is your firm positioned uh, to, to the marketplace overall? So you, you've got a reputation both with your customers and with, with with people who are on the periphery of that that marketplace as well. So so it, you're not just visible to customers, you're, you're visible to prospective employers, both in terms of your personal brand, but also uh, the, the, the company's brand as well. So that's something that you need to think really carefully about. You need to show up where these people are kind of congregating, where they're having conversations, where they've got an active dialogue uh, with, with the marketplace. And, and, and that for me is, is, is something that um, accountants are becoming better at, but there's still an awful lot to do, I think. So touching on one of the bits you just mentioned there, Jim, is that it feels like accountants now have started to recognise that their websites aren't just for clients or for prospects, that actually it's for attracting new staff as well. And certainly the, the people I speak to, when they're looking at where do they go for a new job, they will maybe go to a job agency because they can put the feelers out for, for a wider net than they may be able to do themselves. They'll go to a website and go and find out about a company that they're interested in or potentially go to LinkedIn. And this LinkedIn point seems to be growing more and more because some recent research that came out from a friend in the industry from JE Consulting says that 80% of people looking for a new job, first place of call is a LinkedIn profile of a company page to go and find out more about it. So some of the research I've been doing around the top 500 accountants has been looking at their presence social media wise and looking at LinkedIn as one of those areas. And surprisingly, a a large proportion, approximately 40% of those that I've looked at have got minimal or no um, presence on LinkedIn as a corporate. Even even at the top even within the top five hundred level, which completely surprised me, because you'd think that these firms are ones that have either been around for a long time or have been growing. They must be constantly looking for new staff, but with a minimal presence on LinkedIn, does that seem to be hampering them? So, I suppose for our listeners, maybe something to think about themselves is what do we look like on LinkedIn? What does our company profile look like? What does the the partner's profiles look like? If that's an area to attract new talent, is that something we should be focusing on? I mean, accountants generally aren't experts in social media. They aren't experts in the world of LinkedIn and profiles. So what are some of the things that they could go and do to maybe start thinking, okay, what could I go and do to improve this? Maybe that's where they need to be starting. And is that something you're hearing from accountants that they're kind of expanding their, their kind of outside of their natural habitat to be able to go and look for these new staff? Uh, it's not something, I mean, it makes an awful lot of sense. It, it's not something I've had a, a, an active conversation with an accountant about, specifically about LinkedIn profiles. However, having said that, you know the, the the fact that eighty percent of people would go to LinkedIn to look for something you know new that yeah. doesn't surprise me at all, and and you know the logical conclusion from that is if you're not there, you're not in the mix. 
and and if your profile isn't right then you're going to be discounted from the consideration that a business might have so if you if you go back to the conversation around things mm. like purpose that should be self-evident right the way through all of your social platforms not just linkedin but i think linkedin is is becoming far more than a, a social networking site it's almost a it's it's an online cv and it, and to some degree it's an online you know to your point it's an online website yeah. for your business so yeah you've got a website but you know think about the last sort of two or three businesses that you wanted to look at or research did you go to the website or did you go to linkedin or did you do both and which did you do first so i think there's a there's a lot of merit in getting both the business page and profile right and also the personal page and profile right and there's there's loads of you know all you got to do is a quick mm. google search and you're going to find videos telling you you know how to optimize your profile on linkedin both from a from an individual standpoint and a company standpoint but but a lot of it comes back to you know basic principles of social media and and it's about content it's about making sure that you you're present that you you're publishing regularly enough for for people to be able to comment and and find it and discuss it and be seen to be adding value so it's all well and good having a lot of static content up there if it's not dynamic and it's not reaching out and it's not changing and evolving and engaging with people it's essentially just becomes a, a static website and videos become one of the, the predominant ways that people consume information now i mean you just mm. have to look at the, the kind of the social media trends to see now how it's gone yeah. from the world of show my age now myspace to facebook through to instagram yeah. through to yeah. snapchat through to tiktok and it's all a progression through to video and that seems to be the way people want to consume information so you're right static data does have its time and a place because obviously that helps with google indexing and things like that but actually having almost interactive content and video content would actually open up uh, areas to become more of an attractive employer because it's another way to get your purpose across to help people to understand around the firm now we've talked a lot around kind of attracting new staff but obviously there's a flip side to the coin with all of this as well which is how do you retain those staff it's all well and good mm -hmm. if we've got a staff shortage and skills shortage what you don't want to do is add to your personal shortage gap and staff gap by losing really good staff so in your experience from kind of what you've seen with accountancy firms and your own industry experience what's the kind of the key to a, a retaining talent within an accountancy firm i think there's again there's no mm. one answer to this because every individual is going to be different but the things that i think are really important is feeling like they're part of yep. a mission that they're part of something that is bigger than the job that they do so they can see a line of sight between you know the 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 tax return that they're working on right now and the company vision to change customers' lives and the lives of their families or whatever that might be. So they can see that direct line between the action they take and the outcome that the business is driving. That, that I think, is super, super important. Another thing that I think is really important <clears throat> is the development or the evolution of the individual's skill set, professionally and personally. And, and you, you know, it's, it's the old adage, isn't it? What if, what if I train mm. them and they go? Well, what if you don't yeah. and they stay? So at the end of the day you know part of what you do for your employees should be to to help them to become better um, and, and if it is only for the time that they're with you then so be it but if it's embedded in in how you treat your employees your experience your client experience will become better as a consequence of that so I think the, and you've got a much better chance of holding on to that individual particularly when you can see the ones that develop faster that interact more enthusiastically with the process of, of evolving themselves, they're the ones that you can kind of zero in on 
and, and you know put them on accelerator programs expose them to more that in, you know it has a kind of snowball effect because it you know it becomes self-fulfilling that the more they learn the more they want to do the more they do the more they want to learn and and that for me is is an incredibly powerful tool that is universal that's not something that's just come around in yep. the last couple of years by the way that is a universal truth that has been around forever so they're the types of things that I think will help with uh, re- retention. And you, like you said, a lot of this has been around for a long time, and maybe it's a case that we're starting to see more of it uh, take a forefront at the minds of the partners within accountancy firms as they start to think more around the we've got to retain the, the members of staff. Yeah. And so therefore, it, it, a lot of firms historically will have been running their HR records on Excel for holiday management and sick leave and things like that. And that kind of feels like it's not giving them the engagement with the employees to give them that kind of sense of purpose. And from certainly what I've seen is that one of the, the growing areas with the county firms, aside from everything they're doing for their clients, is actually the HR part of um, within the accountancy firm. So there are a lot of tools out there that can go and do this, that can help with driving engagement, um, with driving understanding of the business around driving that, I suppose, sense of belonging of something of a bigger picture. So is there a role for that HR data to help inform business owners around what they can be doing to help to retain um, staff better? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely there is. And, and you've got you've got a couple of, um, you can look at this through a couple of different lenses. There's the, the kind of L&D type uh, technology that can help you to serve up the right types of training at the right time. Uh, and then there's the recording of, of kind of progress and the the more HR side of, of the house. And, and you know, both of those things are equally important. You know, fr- from a development point of view, you need to make that as, um, as automated and as streamlined as you can for you and for the organization. And from an HR point of view, it always helps for the employees to know exactly where they stand, what policies apply to them, yeah. how they're going to get access to this, that and the other. You know, all of those things are, are increasingly important. And the access to that can be at an employee level um, and also at a, at a practice level. It'll never be a replacement for, for personal contact. So, you know, for the majority of people who are listening to the podcast, they're not going to be, you know, part of 1,000 people firms or 600 mm. people firms where it's, it's, not, it's not an intimate dialogue. For the majority of people, they're going to be part of a much smaller firm where everybody knows each other's names and they can interact. So... The HR software is complemented, and the, and the L and D type software is complemented by that personal, um, you know, arm around the shoulder. The, this is this is where we're where we're headed. This is why this particular piece of development is important for you. This is how it serves the the bigger purpose for the organisation, and and so on. So I think it's technology supported by the appropriate um, engagement mm. through management. And again, it kind of comes back to some of the stuff we've touched on previously around how technology has to have a purpose, right? It's not something just to, to put in yeah. to tick a box or something like that. A bit like what we were just saying about the websites and LinkedIn, it has to have a purpose and whether that's attracting new employees and helping people to understand your purpose. From the HR tool side of things is around how do you give your employees a better experience? How can you learn from some of the, the data that's being collected around kind of like what they've been doing, their behavioral patterns and starting to identify early where someone might need some learning and development like you mentioned. I suppose a lot of this all kind of comes back to it's a cost to kind of like replace an employee is always a lot more than the cost of kind of improving what their salary or benefits are at the moment. I think from Oxford Economics, 
there's a study and some research that they provided which is the cost of replacing someone who's on a £25,000 salary is actually more like 30000 30500 So there's £5,500 in just replacement costs for that, yet that member of staff who might be on £25,000 would probably appreciate a £3,000 pay rise and the company's just saved some money in that respect and kept them for longer. And that, you know, the, the, you, you can you take that a step further as well and you know there, there might be a £5,000 differential between you know the hiring and, and releasing of a, an employee. You've also got the wind down and the wind yeah. up costs of those employees as well. But you bring it, let, you know, somebody who, who's, um, who's given their notice or is, is, is on the way out of an organisation and somebody who's come into an organisation needs to be trained up on protocols, yeah. processes, you know how how things are done in that for that all takes time so there's lost productivity and, and, and effectiveness there as well the other thing that is probably talked about less is the impact on yeah. the clients if, a, if a, a familiar face disappears from what is essentially likely to be a relatively small team that can impact the experience your clients have as well so it, it's not just about the productivity and the 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 you know what happens in the office it's it's the the face of the organization to both your clients and your prospects as well and people love consistency right and therefore you'll get a better client relationship with someone who's been at the firm for a long time has already been working with that client compared to someone who's a new face and you might have had to bring them in for a very good reason but it then takes time to build up that client relationship and to, to understand not just the client but the processes and the way that they work to get the most efficiency out of it. Now, it, yes, from time to time, employees do leave and you do have to replace them, but often enough, the root cause of why someone is leaving is something that doesn't get identified early enough and maybe that's where some of these HR tools and HR data can go and help with them for that. And certainly one of the things that are, are from talking to firms around kind of their employee engagement, what they're doing, how are they helping to, to keep firms, uh, to keep to keep stuff within the firm has been very much around that it's not just about money anymore, which is fascinating mm. because it always used to be a case of most people would look at their uh, their salary as kind of how well they're performing in their role. Now, actually, yes, working from home, the ability to be flexible with that is a big part that doesn't cost an employer anything, but has a big impact on the individual because. Uh, as a father of three, the fact that I can work from home so much means I do get to see my kids before they go to school, whereas previously I'd have been driving to the office and it means that I can pause work when they come home from school, see how their day went and they get back on to, to work. That flexibility means a lot more to people now, I think, than it ever did. And maybe it's the, the, the change in firms that's starting to address that. But one of the interesting bits as well is that people are now starting to think beyond just what's in my immediate salary package and what's in my benefits package and I was having a conversation with the firm not that long ago and I said to them where are they seeing their costs increasing is it in the cost of service to the clients is it in their marketing is it in their digital infrastructure and the uh, the managing partner turned around to me said actually the biggest area of our costs going up is our employee benefits our, our, if you right. take that area because of the <clears> pandemic <throat> a lot of people are now saying can you tell me more about my life insurance that I've got? What's the critical care? What's the private medical? And suddenly, as a firm, they realised they probably weren't putting enough into that for employ- as an employer. Yeah. So they've ramped all of that up because people have become more nervous because of what's been going on with the pandemic and other things because we don't know when the next kind of pandemic is going to come along. Um, so how can they get more comfortable in that? 
because going to a new employer will not guarantee that side of things. So is that an area you're seeing firms kind of starting to explore more is it's not just about increasing someone's salary, it's more around the what's the non-tangible benefits that they can get. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. I have to say, I'm not I'm not one of these people who believes that people aren't interested in their salary because, you know, people get out of bed, they've yep. got bills to pay, we all know the situation with cost of living, blah, blah, blah. So, it, of course, the, the salary is on people's mind. Another complication, just to add to the mix, is, is the fact that, you know, the, the what was considered London premium has been eroded. So, you know, these London firms or or wherever they may be can employ people anywhere in the, in the country. So, you know, the, the, the salaries further north have yep. crept up. Potentially, the salaries further south have come, you know, have come under a little bit more pressure. So I think things like the uh, the benefits, things like whether those be sort of tangible benefits like, you know, life insurance or, or, or private health or whether they be, um, you know, the working from home type benefits. I think considering all of that in the round, so, you, you know, if you, if you kind of drew your core salary, your, your tangible benefits and your intangible benefits, I think making sure that you've got an appropriate yeah. balance of all of those things is super, super important because, and also it should reflect the type of person that you yeah. want to recruit. Because if you want to recruit somebody who is really, you know, really, really driven by being in the office and getting a high salary, make sure your benefits reflect that. If you want to hire somebody who's much more purpose driven um, and you, you're not precious about, you know, where they work from as long as they deliver the goods, then you'd, you'd maybe wait to the intangible benefits slightly, slightly more. So I think it's just about, you know, deciding what you want, making sure that your package considers all of those things and is appropriate for for going out there and, and kind of selling the dream to, to prospective uh, employees. And it definitely feels that this this point of purpose that we raised very at the beginning is so important for retaining the existing employees. I mean, you've just mentioned it there around the, the purpose bit might be driving more of an intangible benefit than anything else for them. But actually trying to be a part of that purpose means firms have to change potentially the way that their culture has been done because obviously they want everybody to be a part of their purpose. And one of the things that, I'm starting to see from firms, which is uh, an absolute delight to see, is that they're being much more open and having a two-way conversation with their staff and uh, around everything, not just around where they're going and their own development, because that seems to be having much more frequency rather than just an annual review. It seems the average now is kind of going back to a quarterly reviews. And in fact, some people are having monthly touch points with people around where they're doing and how they're doing on everything, so that it starts to yeah. drive an, uh, an output driven which we talked about kind of KPIs previously but not just around the how much time they've spent on a particular area it's around how they're driving things forward and that open and honest two-way conversation means that an employee now seems to be able to be much more open with what their goals are where yeah. they fit into the purpose and what do they see as success and for me now that we're starting to see that within accountancy firms, that says to me, it's almost like an early indicator to a partner to say, right, if I want to retain that member of staff, I know I need to put them on this particular path within the firm, or I need to give yeah. them more work like this because that's what they really love doing. So putting people into the right roles for what their requirements are is becoming a really important part of the management team within an accountancy firm. And that will help to drive higher retention because, like you said, there's so many different things to consider now. Yeah. So we've covered quite a lot of different areas around kind of why it's important. We've covered around how 
obviously HR data can play a critical kind of uh, part to, to firms. But one of the, the last bits I kind of just wanted to explore around, obviously, what are the learnings from becoming an attractive employer? A lot of the different bits we've said around purpose, around making sure that you're visible on all of the different social channels and have uh, reactive kind of and interactive content on there that would do that around being open and flexible around the workings, around getting that right balance of tangible and intangible benefits as well and having that open and honest culture. Firms seem to be learning from that an awful lot. Now, that's not trying to be uh, mean to firms that are kind of still on that journey, but it feels like there a lot of firms are seeing this as a quite a big opportunity. And one firm I've been speaking to quite recently have said, we went through this transformation of HR about how to really attract and retain our employees because they had a terrible time of losing a number of staff in one go. Bit, he described it as a domino effect. One went and then another five went with him. And then they struggled yeah. to get new staff. So they spent a lot of time exploring all of the different areas that we've just talked about around how to go through it. And one of the things they actually asked me to go and do was, could you sit through our interview process to, to kind of help us identify what we could change? So I went through that and quite surprisingly, uh, when we did the interview, we did it in the filing cabinet room, which instantly was like, whoa, hang on. Why would I want to work in a firm that's got all this paper everywhere? So they changed that and they were then doing interviews in a coffee shop down the road to to build that kind of open area. But what they've learned from that, now they've come on the other side of that, is they can offer that as a service to their clients. And now they've started opening up HR services as a new client service for all of their clients. And obviously, mine's a sample size of one, um, but I'm interested to see whether this is something you're starting to see as a provider who not only does accountancy software that does the whole HR payroll software, we know 95% of accountants do payroll services for their clients, but the HR bit, is that something you're starting to see more accountants providing to their clients? I guess if you if you can, if you badge HR as advisory, mm. so ad, ad, people have talked about advisory in inverted commas for <clears throat> fifteen years, mm. maybe more, and it's been the utopia, right? It's it's kind of this is where we need to go as an industry. We need to get into advisory. Advisory isn't as difficult to get access to as people might think it is. So you know you've got you've got the ability to 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 really you know drive productivity through the practice. You, you can automate as much of the compliance as you can. You can free up the manpower that you have, and you can point that at whatever you want. And if that is you know HR, which I've seen a few examples of of, of similar sorts of things, whether that be a kind of an HR uh, review service, which is a kind of you know uh, an accounting firm, which is. Um, partnered with a consultant was one example that, that I've seen. They partnered with an HR consultant and they took that packaged service into their client base and, and did, did did reviews with each of the clients um, and char- obviously charged accordingly and had a commercial arrangement on the back of that. But it could be as simple as, you know, the, the, the things that you're saying. So it could be it could be the resell of HR product, it could be the provisioning of HR service, it could be partnering with somebody else. But the bottom line is it's part of a bigger opportunity to get access to things like advisory. And, and in the main, advisory will come in in, in either the, the, the core compliance and, and insight into the, the core data that the accountant works with every day, or it will, it will come from things which sit around that, things like the people, uh, the inputs, the, the qualification of those things. So HR is an obvious um, 
opportunity for accountants. I think you know it's a, it's, a, it's an adjacent market to what what we do every day. Yeah, and they've they've already got the relationship with their clients, right? So they're trusted. So why exactly. not expand into this area? So uh, as we've done with all of the in the this podcast series. I'd like to finish on kind of what's the one bit of advice that you would give to our listeners, so those that are thinking, how do I go and attract uh, really good employees? How do I become that attractive employer? We've covered a lot of different areas, but what would be the one thing that you would say to our audience that they should go and think about right now? I think what the um, practical, the, the practical thing that I think somebody could go away and do immediately is to sit your employee, your current employees down and ask them the question, you know, what is it about working here that you love? And what is it about working here that you'd want to change and build up your knowledge? Because in my experience, in my humble opinion, most of the answers are are already there. And, And if you can enter into an active dialogue with the people who live and breathe the environment that you've created, then that will give you, and it might hurt, it might be uncomfortable, but that will give you the insight that you need to be able to to, to almost communicate a better version of that outward to the to the marketplace. So I think you've got to start there. Otherwise, all you're going to do is bring in um, you know employees that, that that may or may not fit that culture within the organisation, and it won't fundamentally change the culture. It'll yeah. just perpetuate it. So I think you've got so to start. Really, there. make sure that you're designing your purpose inside out make sure that your employees are having a part of that jim that's been really insightful thank you for that and thank you for your time today so that's all we've got time for on today's podcast i'd like to thank our listeners for for joining us make sure you subscribe to the channel and share it if you find this insights useful we're always looking for feedback as well for where you think we should go and, and delve into the next big topic so if you've got any ideas please let us know but for today that's all we've got time for thank you very much